Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em. And we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan. How many enemies do pheasants have? Huh. By the way, I don't know the answer. <laughs> well, they've got to have natural predators, right? True. Is a natural predator in them? Well, I imagine it'd be kind of a confrontational relationship. <laughs> so, probably. <laughs> I want to eat you. No, I decline. Most <laughs> aggressively. Claws. Or talons, actually, because bird. Yeah, probably birds. And, and people. People. Yeah. Maybe they're not particularly friendly, so on top of enemies, they just have people that are, or birdie people, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> that are just like, that bitch. Social group just does not like them. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. They're not pleasant pheasants. <laughs> Why did I do that to myself? Uh, I like that. I'm glad. That makes me happy. <laughs> I'm glad. Enjoy. Today, we're celebrating Valentine's Day, or as Em likes to call it, VD, a little late. <laughs> you like it too. <laughs> we'll be discussing My Phony Valentine by Courtney Walsh. In order to prove to her childhood bully that she isn't a romantic late bloomer, Poppy claims a random man as her boyfriend without at first realizing that he was so hunky or such a well-known hockey player. Oops. <laughs> she did it again. As luck and Cupid would have it, said hockey player Dallas feels magnanimous toward a pretty stranger and plays along. Once they get to know each other and their respective situations better, they devise a mutually beneficial plan to enter into a fake relationship. But once her business is no longer in the red and his reputation is no longer in a fiery dumpster, will they be brave enough to admit their real feelings? There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have content warnings for a character's past, including neglectful abuse and a financially abusive ex. Well, Erica, do you think Poppy feels like she has a scarlet letter on her chest? When she goes out in public? And if so, what letter might that be? And what does it represent? Okay, are you an English teacher now? or No. It's, it's <laughs> what came to me when I, at the little prompt thing. I was like, all right. You know I have no filter when I write. <laughs> it's whatever. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a question I would have answered in a literature class, you know? <laughs> feel free to answer in any way you choose. Or don't answer. You don't have to. We make our own rules. Poppy lives in the small Illinois town of Loveland, which has this fun online gossip column called The Mill, aka The Rumor Mill, that likes to talk about poor Poppy's horrible life choices and experiences, because some of them were not a choice, I guess, really. I think she probably does feel like she is a bit of a social pariah in some ways because the mill has not treated her kindly. No, it's ground down her spirits. As for what her letter would be, I don't really get a good sense of what 
the general consensus is about her, just that they like to poke fun at her. Maybe you for untrustworthy? Ah, there you go. Maybe. wonder if it could be N for naive. Yeah, I think that's a kinder letter. (laughs) (laughs) We don't actually learn Poppy's mistakes and backstory and such until, gosh, I would say well after the half point of the book. Yeah, sorry. I jumped the gun. But um, I shall reveal it now. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what we do here. I also think it will give good context to the bully situation. Yes, and I am the context queen. You are. I need to get you a crown. I need a crown. I feel quite bereft without one. I shall look into that. So Poppy, shortly after college, she decided that the career she chose was not for her. And so she went back to culinary school. And after she graduated from there, she plans to open her own brunch slash lunch restaurant in her hometown. She meets a young man who kind of sweeps her off her feet as it happens. And he's all in on her dream. and He wants to help her with this business and they become lovers and business partners and all this. And he's handling the financial businessy side of things and he tells her oh you can just worry about the cooking and the restaurant part Hmm. poppy is satisfied with this he even convinces her to take out loans and to talk to wealthy families that live in the area to get them to invest in her restaurant and poppy does because she this is her dream Yeah. She believes him and trusts him. And she makes these other people trust her. And then she opens the restaurant. And then he runs away with all the money. And she decides she's going to try to make it work anyway. Because this is her dream. I I think she feels like she would have lost literally everything if she gives up on the restaurant too. Even though it's now way harder because all that money is gone and no one trusts her anymore because they feel she was complicit in this crime. I imagine she doesn't want to have the thing that brings her joy, aka her business, to be tainted by that guy. No. She ends up borrowing from her parents' retirement fund. Her parents believe in her. They want to help her. And I think they almost view it more as a gift, but she views it as a loan. And so she has even more debt that she's trying to work her way through while she runs her business. And her business is not going that well because her reputation took a huge hit due to the shitty ex. Yes. But in spite of all that, she's a pretty positive character, I would say. She doesn't really get down on herself too much for too many things. I think the only thing that she really still hurts from is that she trusted someone who then betrayed her. Yeah. And she also doesn't like feeling beholden to anyone. And she feels like she owes her parents and she needs to repay her debts to the other people in town so that she can 
I don't know, clear her name isn't the right thing. So she can make the wrong right, essentially. Yeah. That's what I think it is. It's not just that she felt betrayed, but then these people that presumably she cares about, because they're the people that she went to, to involve them, you know, they got hurt because of her judgment. Yeah. So I think it's easy to feel sympathetic toward Poppy, especially because she does care so much about doing the right thing and being honest and making things right. So when the story starts, Poppy is in line waiting to order coffee. Her lifelong bully shows up, Margot. And Margot is one of those people that does the backhanded compliment really well, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> and she just keeps doing it over and over and over again. She says something like, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. Um, it's amazing your restaurant is doing so well. What with everything that happened with that boyfriend of yours? So immediately bringing it up. <laughs> She says something like, I ran into your mom and she was bemoaning the fact that she was never going to have any grandkids, <laughs> you know, but some people are late bloomers and some people just don't bloom at all. <laughs> Maybe you're just one of those people that's better off single. <sighs> she knows what she's doing. She's horrible. Oh, yeah. She's a pot stirrer. <laughs> yes. I had no idea this would hurt your feelings. Poppy in a attempt i think to not be so pathetic seeming <laughs> i guess <laughs> grabs the arm of the man in line ahead of her and says oh actually i'm here with my boyfriend <laughs> i just i don't know <laughs> give words to your feelings i've said this before this this is a rom-com and I think sometimes book rom-coms want to be movie rom-coms. Mm. Mm -hmm. And some things work better in a movie, I think. I don't know if it's like this for others, but for me, I feel a bit more like a movie isn't as realistic, which is like a funny thing to say now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but I mean, books aren't realistic either. <laughs> but my brain thinks they are, okay? <laughs> Okay, we will accept that reality. <laughs> it's my truth. Or that okay? <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe it's just that aspect of physical comedy that you kind of have to see it to have it feel like it could actually happen or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I think that grabbing a stranger, I'm sure, I'm sure. This has happened where someone has said, oh, no, this is my boyfriend for whatever reason, right? I've heard mm -hmm. stories about people doing that to get out of bad situations, which I guess yeah. Poppy is kind of in a bit. Not that bad, but, you know. But at the same time, the lack of attention to detail that Poppy has, <laughs> this is not a calculated grabbing of a masculine arm. This is a frantic, impulsive grabbing where she doesn't really know anything about this man, what he looks like, possibly even how old he is. Yeah. She's just like, oh, 
male in front of me. I shall grab his arm. <laughs> Luckily, he plays along. But unluckily, he's a famous hockey player. (laughs) (laughs) Win some, lose some. And Margot recognizes him and immediately calls out Poppy on lying. Poppy doubles down. And then the man (laughs) asks her, oh, what did you want to order, honey? (laughs) Helping her save face. He's very sweet to her. Margot is still in disbelief. She can't believe that Poppy could possibly be dating the star of the Chicago Comets because Poppy is Poppy and this man is objectively hot and (laughs) athletic and talented. (laughs) She's really mean. Okay. (laughs) Margot is so mean. Yeah, she is. She still is disbelieving even though dallas the famous hockey player is playing along and she's like oh well then you will definitely both show up at the festival of hearts won't you dallas says we'll be there (laughs) with bells on right pops (laughs) margo leaves poppy and dallas have a bit of a okay so that was interesting (laughs) so that was the thing that happened Poppy says, thank you. They go to part ways, but it turns out their coffees got exchanged. And so she catches up to him and they trade coffees and end up sitting together and talking for a little bit. Dallas is really into the fact that Poppy doesn't really know anything about him or who he is. She recognizes the name a little bit she understands he's a hockey player but she doesn't really know anything about his reputation or anything about hockey or anything like that and he seems to be appreciating that so you get this sense immediately that he's trying to lay low a little bit in (laughs) loveland lay in loveland back to the rumor mill This is a present part of the story. I would say the rumor mill is kind of a character. And different chapters occasionally will have a little rumor mill article between them. They have some photo of Poppy and Dallas together or some speculation on their relationship because they're totally dating, right? Totally. It starts pretty much immediately because Poppy becomes aware that somebody took pictures of her and Dallas sitting there talking. (laughs) (laughs) We get a chapter in Dallas's head. We learn a little bit about him. He has recently purchased a home, a home in Loveland to live in with his grandmother while he takes care of her as she recovers from hip replacement surgery. He does have a place in Chicago, but he plans to be staying in Loveland over the course of his grandmother's recovery period. And yeah, he'll still be going off to play games and stuff, but he's hired essentially a full staff to take care of his grandmother. Which is nice. You get a sense immediately from him that he feels like he owes his life to his grandmother. So when Dallas was young his mom abandoned him and he was left with his dad who is a criminal 
and pretty much immediately started training Dallas to be part of it, even though Dallas wasn't really aware of this at all. Has a groomer sort of vibe, getting him to be in that sort of life, the criminal lifestyle. (laughs) When Dallas is 11, I think, his father is part of a crime that involves him murdering somebody. And Dallas was the unknowing lookout for his father. He ends up testifying against his father and his father goes to prison. And Dallas moves in with his grandmother. His grandmother, Sylvia, is his father's mother, which I thought was kind of interesting. I think Dallas feels like maybe his grandmother feels he was a second chance or like a chance at redemption for her unleashing her son upon the world in a way, if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Redemption is a pretty big theme in this story because not only do we have Sylvia possibly wanting to redeem herself by raising Dallas, but we have Poppy wanting to redeem herself by paying back everyone who helped her with the restaurant. And we also have Dallas wanting to redeem himself from his bad boy hockey reputation. His grandmother was the one who got him into hockey. Dallas ended up getting picked to play professionally, and he's very good at what he does. But he was a very angry young man and had a lot of trauma, I would say, to work through (laughs) that he didn't necessarily do in the most healthy way and got into fights, dated a lot of women, so kind of has a bit of a womanizer reputation. And then there's the car accident. So he was at a party with some of the other players on his team and everyone got drunk except for him. And so he decided he could drive one of his teammates home and on the way they get in a car wreck. And as a result, his friend loses the function in his legs. That's unfortunate. Which means he now can no longer play hockey Because Dallas isn't seen so favorably in the media, there's a lot of spin that he was drinking and driving, that he paid off the police to look the other way. Just some really horrible uh, reputation ruining rumors about him and that whole situation. And he's at a point now where he just feels like no one gets him. He doesn't drink anymore. Not since that happened. He doesn't party anymore. He doesn't date anymore. He doesn't feel like he's that person anymore. But yet the media and his teammates, some of them, continue to paint him in that light. He is the team captain. The whole situation with the accident has caused a lot of struggle on his team. There's a player named Mulligan who blames him for the accident or at least makes a show of blaming him for the accident. As a result, morale is low and (laughs) he's not playing so well and his team is struggling. So this thing, this caretaking thing that he's doing for his grandmother, I think is almost like a vacation for him in a way. Even though he's still doing his job and going to play hockey and whatnot, I think he's like 
trying to just stay out of the limelight as much as possible. That makes sense. And I think that's one of the reasons he was so pleased to learn that Poppy didn't really know anything about him. Yeah. We get some scenes with Dallas and his grandmother talking and you get a good understanding of their relationship. You learn that Sylvia is a pretty sassy lady. (laughs) I I thought she was a pretty enjoyable character, honestly. Me too. The meddling older lady. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they annoy me, but in this particular book, I enjoyed her. Yeah, I enjoyed her too. Back in Poppy's head, she's being confronted by her sisters, Rhea and Eloise. Rhea is the oldest and is the most protective and thinks love is a sham and also thinks that Poppy should think love is a sham. (laughs) Rhea knows Dallas's reputation and thinks that Poppy having any sort of interaction with Dallas is bad. Eloise, on the other hand, is more of the fanciful sister. (laughs) She's the romantic one. She has more of a sunshine personality, and she is much more of the mind that Poppy should just go get it. (laughs) Might as well live your life. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Poppy tells them the truth that actually they aren't dating. It was a lie. She's conflicted because she doesn't like lying, but she also likes the fact that she's not someone being felt sorry for by the townspeople or the people who write the rumor mill at the very least. (laughs) Well, no one wants to be pitied. Well, most wouldn't, I would think. Do you think that's what it is? Because I kind of got that impression that she just is feeling a sense of relief that she's not being the butt of a joke necessarily. I think sometimes... and. I mean, this isn't surprising, but humor can be used for a multitude of things, and sometimes it can mask genuine dislike. And so that may be a way for a small community to get their jobs in, in a friendly way. Like, oh, a little bit of teasing. So friendly. Yeah, but maybe it's not teasing. Mm Mm-hmm. I think at best, she gets pitied because it's like, oh, you fell for that. You poor thing. Yeah. And maybe at worst, the jabs at her expense are intended to be upsetting to her. But, you know, we're all friends, so it's a joke. I kind of wonder, too, because she does take it very personally, but I, I wonder if it is actually personal at all. Yeah, I don't know. It could just be kind of how we are now with social media and influencers and things like that. And we like to see other people's lives and comment on them, but there's a sense of distance. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's an element of that to the whole rumor mill thing. There might be. Not that Poppy takes it that way, obviously. Poppy takes it very personally. It, It does feel quite personal to her. And I have to admit, when I was reading it, I felt like that was the intention. But now that we're talking about it, I kind of feel like it doesn't necessarily have to be that way for it to feel that way. I think both can be true depending on the perspective you're seeing it from. Yeah. Maybe some people were trying to say it in a lighthearted way to like, yes, let's draw attention to this. 
because to get it out in the open, but let's not dwell and move on. But she's she's dwelling. She takes it as as her responsibility and her job to fix it. And, you know, those cuts clearly hurt her, whether or not every individual means it that way. She is one of those heroines that takes a lot of the over responsibility, I think, as well. Mm hmm. As heroines do so often. <laughs> and, and and regular people, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a device that works well in stories. Because, you know, the characters have to be invested. And it's a good way to get them invested if they feel that sense of duty or responsibility or whatnot. Yeah. The morning after Poppy sets her sister straight, she's on her way to work. She's walking through town and she's noticing... The town starting to decorate for Valentine's Day. The town of Loveland takes its name very seriously and it becomes a tourist destination for the Day of Love, <laughs> aka Valentine's Day, aka VD, as we like to say on the podcast. <laughs> Have you got VD? Watch out. <laughs> I want to share, Em. Is that okay? <laughs> I want to share our VD spirit. Share away. <laughs> it's been years now that we've been calling it VD. And it, yeah, I don't even remember when it started. Yeah, it's just one of those things that really stuck. <laughs> like some VDs do. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I bet if we talked to Poppy, she might think it was funny. <laughs> Maybe. I hope so. She's not into the Valentine's spirit at this point in the story. No. <laughs> so Loveland decorates full on for Valentine's Day, like some towns do for Christmas. Puts hearts up everywhere. All the shops on the main street have decorations in the windows and paint decorative paint on the windows and things like that the main street was actually renamed to cupid's lane or something oh right mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so the town has full-on gone into it and loveland has become a destination for weddings vow renewals other romantic events it's a whole thing and around valentine's day they have a week i think of celebration where they have a festival they have i don't know like a farmer's market slash craft bazaar sort of situation was the impression i got mm -hmm. and then on valentine's day they have a formal dance that everybody goes to it's a whole big deal poppy hates it <laughs> but she is participating this year because in an effort to get her restaurant some more foot traffic she is hosting a booth at the festival yay on her way to work she sees dallas jogging she says hi to him he stops and talks to her she blurts out that there's a photo of them floating around on the gossip site for the town she thought he might like to know she's sorry that her lie is going to be affecting him this way Dallas says something like, yeah, you get used to it. No big deal. Poppy senses a feeling of sadness from him that even though he says it's no big deal, he doesn't really like that his 
life is so potentially public. She's not really sure why, because she really doesn't know a lot about him aside from what her sister told her, which is that he got into fights and was a womanizer and stuff like that, I think. Poppy, who does not want to feel beholden (laughs) to anyone, who does not want to owe anyone anything, and is feeling like she owes Dallas something because she's the reason there's this photo floating around saying she's dating him, offers to cook for him. She says, oh, would it be okay if I cook dinner for you as a thank you for helping me? And also so I don't feel so bad about the fallout from you helping (laughs) me. And also because you're kind of hot and I wouldn't mind seeing you more because you're kind of hot. (laughs) And Dallas says, oh, yeah, sure. Are you okay making dinner for three? Because I have a house guest. Poppy says, oh, absolutely. Mentally, she's saying, well, obviously he has a house guest because he's so hot and look at him. (laughs) (laughs) She gives him her phone number and he says he'll text her his address later. And then they part ways once again. Poppy continues on to work to find out it's very, very busy. Probably because (laughs) the whole town now knows she's dating Dallas. (laughs) They all want to see. They want to know. They have interest. (laughs) They do. As a side benefit, they're spending money in her restaurant and she really needs them to do that (laughs) because she has a lot of debt and hasn't been getting very good business up to this point. (laughs) I wanted to bring up something and... I don't know if this is the right time, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Okay. We've read quite a few fake relationship books, haven't we, at this point? I would say so. How many books do you think have the fake relationship begin so late in the story? Because even though I guess there's technically a fake relationship in this book so far, they haven't made the agreement yet that happens... I would say pretty early on in most fake relationship books. Do you feel like that's unusual? Yeah, but unusual isn't inherently bad. Well, that was my follow-up question. What did you think about it taking so long? Um, I think given the sort of progress of their relationship, it makes sense. Because this sort of felt like more of a slow burn. I would agree. And I think both characters are, for their own reasons, hesitant to play the part of the relationship and to feel close to basically a stranger. Sometimes I think in those other books, they do jump in really quick. They do. I think for this book, this makes sense. They kind of get to know each other first, so that way they feel less of that awkward stranger sort of thing so it could Mm -hmm. even be believable but no i think for this story it makes sense what about you i thought it was kind of interesting because it did have a bit more realism to it i think a lot of fake relationship stories they're very much in the realm of fantasy yeah and in this one she does grab a random man's arm and claim he's her boyfriend But then they just have like this awkward yet pleasant conversation. 
mm-hmm. and separate and figure, okay, well, we'll never see each other again. And then just happen to run into each other and have another awkward yet pleasant sort of conversation where she says, oh, I'd like to cook for you to say thank you. Mm-hmm. It makes sense for them to slowly strike up a friendship based on the situation where they met initially. As the story progresses, I feel like they were both incredibly reluctant to even enter into a fake relationship. It wasn't their idea. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually the idea of Dallas's grandmother and Dallas's manager. And they both have ulterior motives, which we'll discuss. But I think because it was so unusual, I found myself kind of waiting for it. Mm. Okay. And I think because they were so reluctant, and the reluctance went on for a while, they have a lot of conversations about it before they actually decide, yes, we're going to do this fake relationship. Mm -hmm. I think it felt too slow. Okay. I didn't mind it being slower. I thought that was good. And I don't know if maybe it's because the trope usually is so quickly introduced in the book that I was kind of poisoned a bit waiting for it to show up in this book, knowing it was going to. I'm sure my opinion was affected by that, right? Right. You've said this before. People will look for certain tropes. They want the experience of enjoying that particular trope. So for it to be later on in the story, I could see that being very frustrating. Honestly, and I think... Maybe we could discuss this later on, too. But I feel like this story was truly a friends to lovers Mm. Mm -hmm. first and a fake relationship second. I can see that. That's not necessarily bad, per se. No. But it was something I wasn't expecting. And I think because of that, it made the introduction of the fake relationship trope kind of feel late to me. I can understand that. It felt almost like they didn't want to put it in this book. <laughs> <laughs> Even though when you read the the summary on Goodreads, that's how it's being marketed. Mm. Yeah, I could see that being a bit of a problem. I don't think the author made any poor choices at all. I just think it was like... No, that sounds like it's a marketing thing. Like they maybe should have marketed it as a friends to lovers. And then... Maybe let the readers be surprised by the fake relationship. Yeah, I think a friends to lovers would have been better. Or have maybe a bit more of a breadcrumbs leading up to the fake relationship. Like more tension. I mean, the book felt very low tension, low angst to me. Yes, it's very cozy. Yes. So introducing those elements may be counterproductive for the vibe. There was a point, too, I think right around this point in the story where I was thinking, is that it? Is the fake relationship that she claimed he was her boyfriend and he went along with it and the whole town believed them? Is that what it is? And I went back and I looked at the summary and the summary says, no, they fill out a contract and all this. And I'm like, well, where the fuck is it then? (laughs) Yeah. Again, I don't think it's the writing necessarily. I think it's the expectation that I had. Yeah, and I mean, that might be a bit of the pacing, too. Yeah, it is a slower paced book, I think, for sure. Just in general. Yeah, which 
feeds into the cozy vibe, so it's fine. I could see that affecting a reader's enjoyment because, for lack of a better way to put it, I apologize in advance if this annoys, but it's that shave and a haircut and then you just don't finish it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or like a sneeze that you didn't get to sneeze. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you're like, it's coming. I know it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) There are rules for this sort of thing. Where's my goddamn two bits? (laughs) Yeah. So I I understand that. And I agree with you. Like, uh, writers certainly should, should feel like they should write whichever kind of story at whatever kind of pace they want to. But yeah, some some readers may not have the patience. Although, maybe some like that. You mentioned earlier how this book had a like rom-com vibe. Yeah. Which I 100% agree. Because while I was listening to it, I was thinking, this is a Hallmark movie. <laughs> <laughs> this feels very Hallmark movie-ish. It does, yeah. It's just the flavor of the style to me, which maybe that's not right. Very cozy, very straightforward. Uncomplicated in the sense that you definitely know what to expect. And there can be reassurance with that. That can be very relaxing, especially since life isn't always that predictable. And while it has that rom-com vibe, it also has a lot more of a realistic vibe to me in a lot of ways. Like the villains aren't unrealistically horrible people they're just normal horrible people yeah the the trials that the couple goes through are realistic trials Mm -hmm. and the way in which their relationship develops feels like it's nice and slow and natural like it might possibly develop in real life so it definitely has a lot of elements that make it feel really down to earth i think Mm -hmm. and then there are those rom-com sort of physical comedy elements thrown in yeah the beats Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we've discussed this before but i just struggle with those (laughs) no i I can understand that some of them are fine some of them are like really like you did that really like we're supposed to believe that that happened (laughs) Yeah, sometimes there's conflict in that. The hijinks sort of elements, I guess. Yes. Hijinky. Yeah. (laughs) Can I make that an adjective? Yes. We make our own (laughs) rules. Hell yeah, we do. At least least for the podcast, we do. (laughs) Damn right we do. All the way. Back to the story. We are now in Dallas's head. He is in the locker room after practice and his manager, Alicia, finds him. And this is where we get some more of those rom-com sort of elements, I think, because Alicia, nothing bothers her. Nothing phases her. She's cool. She's collected. She's high powered. She's very type A. And she doesn't care that she's standing in a locker room full of hot naked men. There's a point where she, she says to one of the other players that if he's not going to cover up in the locker room then he should work harder on covering the defense in the game or something like that so she's very much like just completely unruffled yes and it it felt a bit over the top 
But I did like Alicia. I thought she was a fun character. <laughs> Me too. She really does seem to care about Dallas. I think she has his best interests at heart. She does want him to succeed. She's primarily focused on improving his reputation because she's thinking about the long game. Dallas is getting older. I think he's 30-ish. Who knows how much longer he's going to be able to play professionally. And we all know professional players live off of their endorsement deals and other things that come after the sport. (laughs) (laughs) He could potentially be a commentator or a coach or live off of endorsements or who knows, but he's not going to be able to do any of that if his reputation is not handled. Yes. Alicia has seen the gossipy sort of photos about him and Poppy supposedly dating and she does not approve at this point in the story and she tells him to stay away from her. This isn't going to turn out well for him. Dallas, I think, is starting to feel upset with the focus Alicia has on his image. And I think we start to get clues here. He doesn't want to take her advice. He is done with all that. I think he's decided that no one will ever change their mind. He's always going to be that horrible guy. And so why bother? Why bother trying now? Yeah, he doesn't want to prop up the lie because he's not that horrible guy anymore. It's not that he doesn't want to try to fix it. I think it's that he's sort of given up in a way. Yeah, because he's being forced into a corner where it's like to fix it, he's playing by the industry's rules. Right. He wants to be authentic. And what he really wants is for people to recognize who he is now. Yes. As he lives his authentic life without him having to make some sort of grand gesture or do apologies or prove that he's different. He wants to just live his life and have people realize that he's different. And he's... I think of the frame of mind that that's never going to happen. It must be tricky to navigate public response. Oh, I'm sure. Even though he's done all this growth that no one has seen, but the public image is he's going from zero to 60. Yeah. It's because they don't see that. And and to be fair, he's done that privately, as he should. If he doesn't want to live his his truth... In front of everyone, the ups and downs, I can imagine that would be very difficult. So it it seems like, when did this happen? You know, people might question the authenticity. Yeah. And I can understand her trying to guide him to avoid those potholes. I think she genuinely cares about him and wants to help. And I think she's doing her best. Yeah, I, I can't imagine living living a life where it's like your name and then the last thing people know you for good bad or otherwise right that would be terrible oh remember this person because of this thing good bad or otherwise yeah that must be tough i think he and alicia just aren't on the same page anymore yeah he is trying to just live his life and alicia is trying to just make his reputation better and they're not meeting at all (laughs) on separate paths he gets done with practice 
goes to some appointment or something with his grandma and then tells her, oh, by the way, I have a friend coming over to cook us dinner today. And his grandma is like, oh, a friend, huh? (laughs) So Sylvia loves her grandson. She has his best interest at heart, much like Alicia. In fact, Sylvia and Alicia are friendly and I think Sylvia is the one who hired Alicia or convinced Dallas to hire her. But while Alicia's motive is to fix Dallas's reputation, Sylvia's motive is she wants to see Dallas happy. And she thinks the way he'll be happy is if he finds a good woman. It's a little antiquated. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I love you, Sylvia, but not everyone needs a partner. It's okay. However, Dallas rebuffs her immediately he says something like no she's just a friend she's just being nice his grandma's like we'll see about that so poppy shows up to cook dinner pretty much immediately she feels like she has to unburden herself she's very upset because the whole town thinks they're dating and as a result she's profiting off of this lie now because they're all coming to her restaurant and spending money And she doesn't necessarily want them to stop doing that. But she also feels bad because it's a lie and it affects Dallas too. I really liked this about her character. I thought this was very admirable of her. She immediately says, I need to set the record straight with you. The whole town thinks we're dating and I'm now profiting off of this. Dallas doesn't really feel too bothered. He says... He's actually surprised anyone could benefit from using his name at all (laughs) anymore. And then Poppy says, oh, because of your sordid past, the partying, the fighting, the women, the accident, you know, all those horrible things. And Dallas says, quote, nobody's ever come right out and said the quiet thing out loud before. (laughs) And I think that encapsulates Poppy's personality. She's brash, she's honest, she's kind. She's going to say the quiet part out loud because that's honest Mm -hmm. in her mind. He introduces Poppy to his grandmother. The grandmother is very interested in Poppy. Oh, I heard that your restaurant is in trouble and it seems like this dating rumor is helping you. Isn't that nice? And you guys look kind of cute in those photos. And all this stuff. (laughs) Sylvia immediately has the plan that they should have a fake relationship. She's working an angle because she's telling Poppy, oh, well, you want to help Dallas, right? This would really help him repair his reputation because you're such a wonderful, kind, down-to-earth sort of girl next door. And that would really (laughs) help him. And then she turns to Dallas and says, well, you really want to help Poppy, right? She's such a wonderful woman and her restaurant is in trouble. And look, by association, you're you're helping her. So it would be great if you pretend dated her some more so that she could continue to make more money. <laughs> she has no shame. Nope. We begin the back and forth between Poppy and Dallas kind of playing with the idea of this fake relationship. Now that the concept has been introduced and they're both 
very much, no, no, we couldn't possibly, but I do really want to help this other person. If this would actually help them, then maybe it would be okay. (laughs) And then there's a very, very slight pinch of, plus they're hot, but I feel like that part of it is a little subtle, especially on Dallas's part. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so we're in both of their heads. I would say we get pretty equal time throughout the story in each person's head. Mm -hmm. I feel like Poppy, much like her character, is very open and honest and has a lot of thoughts about how hot he is and how she wishes it were real. But no, it's not. (laughs) And And I think when we're in Dallas's head, he doesn't have a lot of those thoughts. Or at least we're not privy to them. He does think she's beautiful. Mm -hmm. We have lots of thoughts about how much he likes her and appreciates her and thinks she's a wonderful person, but less of a longing sort of feeling or a wistful sort of feeling, maybe. I think we get a little bit more of that from Poppy. As Poppy is cooking and Dallas is watching slash sort of helping, he's not very good at chopping potatoes. (laughs) He gets a call from Alicia and it turns out that his grandmother texted Alicia her plan and now Alicia's on board. Actually, she thinks it's great. Should totally do it. You know, it could just be like a business partnership. We could even pay her a fee. We could draw up a contract. Dallas, I think he's reluctant because he doesn't want to take advantage of Poppy. Yes. And I think he's also reluctant because he's kind of given up on improving his reputation, too. Yeah. I don't think he necessarily believes that this would help him. He feels like it could potentially hurt Poppy more than it could ever help him if she gets caught up in his drama. But he does want to help her. I was so frustrated (laughs) with this. This back and forth goes on for chapters, literal chapters. Yeah. And I just, I can't, okay? Like, I can't. (laughs) I would have much preferred a time jump or something. Time jump, a week. Sylvia and Alicia have been pestering them to form a fake relationship and they finally cave. (laughs) And that makes sense to me because especially given the low angst vibe. Yeah. I felt like we just went back and forth and back and forth. I was like, I was watching... A couple people play a really low effort game of tug of war. Because you need stakes. You need tension. If you're going to have low angst, that's fine. But keep pacing in mind. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like, if it's going to be low angst, then have them be more into it. Yeah. Something something has to to give, essentially. Yeah, something does. You have to feel something. Because it is. It's... Floating in a tube down a river. It's very chill, which if that's really what you want, then maybe it's absolutely fine. And I don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you do want something really chill, I think. Some readers. I'm just speaking to my experience reading it. I'm not speaking to how everybody else should enjoy a book. Right. I think my personal opinion, my personal preference is... If it's going to be low angst, they need to be all in on the fake relationship. Yeah. And I don't know that they ever are. And I think that this period of time in the book where we have pages and pages of them going back and forth, like a push me, pull you. 
it, it doesn't feel like a romantic relationship. It feels like a friendship, which is why when you said, you know, friends to lovers makes way more sense. Yeah. Honestly. I think it would work so much better if they were just like, no, F you, Alicia and Sylvia. We are not going to do that at all. We're just friends. And just went with that hardcore. Yeah. And it, it doesn't mean that they still can't be honest, but tabloids or whatever can write whatever they're going to write. And that can be the tension. That way it's not tension within the couple. It's more like the couple versus society. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there for it. <laughs> Yay. Oh, we do have a nice moment where we discover there is some similarity between Poppy and Dallas. So Poppy is a super talented chef and has a lot of skill in that area. And Dallas is like that with hockey. And so even though Poppy doesn't understand hockey, learning that Dallas is impressed by her cookery, is that a word? Her chefness. Her culinary skills, but we can call it whatever we like because we make the rules. Her culinary. Okay, that's I like a real cookery. Term. Yes, her, whole, her culinary skills. I like cookery, honestly. I was like, I like that. <laughs> but you do you. But when she learns Dallas is impressed by her, it helps her understand how he feels about hockey more. And I think that that helps them become one step closer to friends. She's trying to understand the sports ball. Well, sports hockey. Sports puck? The, the sports stick. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's uh, quite a few sports with sticks of some kind. Yeah, I think lacrosse calls it a stick. Well, I mean, they're all sticks. Like the hockey mm, true. thing is a stick. A baseball bat is a stick. I'm sure there are more. <laughs> oh, uh, like tennis is a stick. You know, rackets are sticks. They are with like little taut nets. Yeah. Jousting is like a pointy stick. True. Not jousting, fencing. <laughs> well, jousting is, it's a long stick. <laughs> is jousting like a sport people still do though? It run pairs. <laughs> and what? Uh, Vegas, Medieval Times. Are Medieval Times still a thing? <laughs> <laughs> sure sure it is archery is a bendy stick with another stick <laughs> this is true i'm really pushing the metaphor here a little bit <laughs> skiing you have two sticks i mean and you're standing on two other sticks axe, like <laughs> axes like throwing axes that's a stick with a mohawk yeah a very see very edgy mohawk oh that was so bad <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need Sports duct tape stick. for my mouth. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving back to the story here. Dallas. Good call. <laughs> Dallas convinces Poppy to eat dinner with them. And then he starts to think about, oh, it'd be cool if maybe I hired her to be my personal chef to cook for us while my grandma is recovering. But he doesn't say that yet. Back in Poppy's head, it's the next morning. Poppy's working at the restaurant. It's super busy again. Margot shows up, has the whole Festival of Hearts committee sitting in the restaurant. It's turned into a thing and it makes Poppy very uncomfortable. 
Dallas shows up. He comes into the kitchen to talk to her and offers her a job as a personal chef in the evenings to cook dinners for his grandmother and him. She agrees because money and also (laughs) she loves the kitchen in his house and also he's hot. Dallas goes to practice and then afterwards he's called into the coach's office, has a whole conversation about how his reputation and behavior is affecting the team, especially because Dallas got into a fist fight with Mulligan, who is a teammate who is pretty, I would say, jealous of Dallas's ability to play hockey. I think Mulligan was expecting to be the star player. And when he got added to this team, he realized he was not going to be better than Dallas and it made him upset. The coach brings up Ricky, the poor guy who got hurt in the accident, and tells Dallas, you didn't do anything wrong. It was an accident. It's not your fault. And it's affecting your team. It's affecting the way you play. And I need you to be a captain again and take care of it. But in Dallas's head, he feels like he made a poor judgment call driving Ricky home that night. And that reflects on his ability to make judgment calls at all, including the judgment calls you have to make during a game as a captain. So he's struggling. (laughs) Mm. When Poppy goes over to Dallas's house that night, she just lets herself in and she is accosted by Alicia and Sylvia, who have teamed up to try to strong arm her into signing a fake relationship contract behind Dallas's back. (laughs) Ladies. Although I think for Sylvia, it was more of a test because she seems approving when Poppy refuses. Feeling like, I knew you were a good person. (laughs) That's true. But they do kind of get into her head a little bit because she does like the idea of helping Dallas. They both just want to help each other. And a fake relationship is the best way, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. And in fact, Dallas and Poppy have a whole conversation about how Alicia and Sylvia are playing them off of each other. Like, oh, yeah, they're telling me how wonderful it would be for you if I did this. And they're telling you the same thing, only vice versa, opposite, whatever. (laughs) And then he says something like, well, what if it wasn't fake? (laughs) Which I think (laughs) is a major Freudian slip. (laughs) It just pops on out of his mouth. (laughs) Oopsie. She does not take it seriously. Poppy says something like, no, there's no way you could possibly want to date me. You're all this hotness and I am just an average woman who lives in a small town. She says the only way it would work for them to be in a fake relationship is if they were honest with each other from the start, especially in private. And she's like, you know, I'm not that great to be seen with either. (laughs) I mean, look at me. I am totally normal looking. (laughs) (laughs) look at you you are like six five and have a 26 pack poppy starts to feel kind of vulnerable and so she goes to the restroom to have a bit of a break and dallas follows her 
and she lets him into the restroom with her. They have a vulnerable moment. He tells her that one of the reasons he does care about his reputation is that he wants to start a foundation for a worthy cause. And he feels like if he did it now, people would think he's just trying to make himself look good, even though he's not, when really he just wants to do it. And he doesn't want his reputation to poorly affect it. Because he's vulnerable with her, she feels more comfortable. And they agree that maybe they will do the fake relationship and they're going to have their own rules. So yes, there's the contract and all that, but they have their own unofficial rules as well. They go back out and tell Alicia and Sylvia, yes, we're going to go along with it, but on our terms. Poppy's terms include she doesn't want to get paid extra for this and she doesn't want to lie to her family. And Alicia says, well, that's not okay. You have to lie to your family. And Poppy says no. And so she says, oh, I guess they could sign NDAs. (laughs) (laughs) After dinner, they're having some time alone. They talk about figuring out the terms of the contract. So there's a space in the contract for them to write things they want from each other. He brings up public displays of affection. And it's kind of awkward because sexual tension, but they get through it a little bit. I think they agree. No kissing in private. Otherwise, like hand holding, hugging, the occasional kissing to sell it, that kind of thing is okay. But in private, they're going to be 100% real with each other. They talk about some other things they want in the contract. Poppy ends up telling him a story about... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the time she tried to do like a promposal style invite to a dance to a friend that she had a big crush on and did like a poorly choreographed lip synced <laughs> presentation in front of the whole town that ended with something like, I want you to kiss me, <laughs> like on a poster board. And her friend was nice to her, (laughs) but let her down later in private and was like, actually, I don't see you that way. I thought that was pretty mature of this friend. Me too. It actually, although it it does sound like a rather mortifying story, it's not like a bad story. No. It's still relatively low angst because you've got the friend just going, oh, yeah, of course, let me come up and give you a big hug in front of everyone. And then later in private say you know i'm sorry but i'm just not feeling it and then it turns out fine Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) oh if only all things like that happen that way (laughs) they negotiate things like public appearances whether or not they should do sleepovers but in a guest room poppy says they shouldn't because of the squeaky clean image they're trying to sell for dallas but That's a bit of a foreshadowing because Poppy then falls asleep on his couch. When she wakes up, it's morning and she's late for work. She is rushing to get ready. Before she leaves, she invites Dallas over to her weekly family dinner so that he can meet her family and they can let them know what's going on. Then she leaves. We learn some more about Dallas's dad at this point. His grandmother gives him a letter 
from his dad from prison and Dallas doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't even want to read it. I guess once Dallas became famous and successful, his father developed expectations <laughs> and wants money. And Dallas kind of caved to him because he and his grandmother have kept this whole situation that happened in his past a secret. So while he does have a bad boy reputation, the fact that he was a child criminal unknowingly is not part of it. And I think he's a little afraid of it coming out, but he also is tired of hiding it. I think the Dallas we get in this book is a person who just wants to be genuine and he's so tired yeah. of not being allowed to be genuine <laughs> due to worrying about his image. It would be hard to be constantly being someone else. I end up feeling pretty bad for him, which I think is quite a feat for the author because, you know, he's a rich, hot, famous athlete. Mm -hmm. And so often in books like these, you get the rich, hot, famous, super proficient at something sort of dude. And you're just like, oh, cry me a river. <laughs> Poor you and your tortured past. Yes. I think by making the story have those elements of realism, I think it's easier for me to buy in to Dallas's whole perspective and how he's just so fucking tired. He's just done with it. He just wants to play hockey, take care of his grandma, be friends with Poppy, and live his life without people making up their own stories about him. Is that too much to ask? No, but yes, maybe. It kind of is. <laughs> like, for him, I guess. Seemingly. It's sad. <laughs> I don't know. Do you feel bad for Dallas? I did. Okay. I'm not the only one. No. <laughs> it must be difficult to live a life with so much opportunity, but at the same time, have so much restriction. Yeah, to me, I actually even found myself empathizing a bit because... It really strikes a chord in me, the idea that he just wants to be genuine. He just wants to be known for who he is. Mm -hmm. And I can relate to that. And the fact that the author made me relate to this billionaire hockey player, I think was pretty damn good. Yes. Okay. Dallas shows up at Poppy's parents' house to meet her family for dinner. His grandmother is with him. Her family is one of those boisterous, loud, fun, loving sort of families. Everybody's talking. Dallas feels kind of a bit an imposter because he's never really experienced that sort of family life. It was just him and his crappy dad for so long and then him and his grandma. And while his grandma was awesome, it's not like the quote unquote traditional family we learn that Poppy's father is deaf. I felt like there was something like off about Poppy's dad. And I think his mom to some extent, but you know, that realism I was talking about, I feel like it's just not as present in the characterization of Poppy's parents. I feel like the dad has a very innocent quality to him, which I don't know if it's because of how his deafness is portrayed or if it's just something else 
his relationship with the mom too seems kind of romanticized almost like a pastel portrait of what a relationship might be if that makes sense yeah i mean it it could be interpreted too that that's poppy's rose-colored glasses version of her parents oh that's a good point yeah she may not see the struggles and it's just like oh they get along yay and oh they're supportive of me (laughs) yay but yeah i can understand where they almost felt non-parental with the whole so supportive to the point of where there didn't seem to be a hint of the are you sure you're making the right choice this time poppy because <laughs> your your picker seemed a little faulty we just want to make sure that pickers working good right that kind of thing or or maybe a, i mean we've certainly seen it in other stories more protective version of that or controlling or whatever yeah that's where they they sort of felt unrealistic to me i mean both of the parents yeah, I think the mom was a bit more protective of Poppy. She seemed to side with Rhea about Dallas. Oh, I don't think he's the right man for you. Look at his reputation. Don't get hurt. I think there's a few times where her mom tells Poppy to protect her heart. Yes, that was said frequently. On that same subject, I got a little frustrated with how protective Rhea was yeah i can see that Rhea is so 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 angry and there's a lot of insinuations in the book that she's had her own troubles romantic troubles that's colored her perception of the world and she also is fiercely protective of her sisters so 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 concerned that poppy is going to get her heart broken again lose more than she lost with the prior relationship and she'd rather poppy just not try i feel like although Rhea doesn't say this i feel like Rhea is like don't have a heart and <laughs> poppy's mom is like protect your heart <laughs> yeah on the other side of it we have eloise who's more of a romantic and then yeah she seemed like the spirit of the parents honestly kind of yeah And then Poppy's dad, who I think was just thrilled to meet a famous hockey player. Yeah, and I mean, that might be all that Poppy notices, because she's so happy. True. (laughs) True. So Poppy, she says, okay, I need you all to sign this legal contract. It's an NDA that you can't (laughs) repeat any of what I'm about to tell you. And her whole family trustingly signs this contract. And then she says... By the way, we have a fake relationship now, and it's for these reasons, and I just don't want to lie to you, but you can't tell anyone, haha. <laughs> and don't worry about me. It's mutually beneficial. It's going to help him, too, and me. It's helping both of us. <laughs> a few days pass. They go on the first of their public outings in Loveland. They go on a walking date to the ice rink. Dallas talks her into ice skating. Poppy isn't the best at it. (laughs) But Dallas ends up getting recognized, is pretty gracious. He winds up helping a group of boys with hockey. It's described like, oh, he's running like an ad hoc clinic here now. (laughs) Poppy starts taking pictures of him and posting them on her social media. 
she's noticing, oh, look how he is. This is the real Dallas that no one sees. And she wants there to be some evidence of that online. And I was hoping that something would come of that, but nothing does. Yeah. So now that the fake relationship is is on, we're getting some time skips. (laughs) They call each other on the phone. Dallas is out of town for games and stuff. They fall asleep on the phone together sometimes. They do some hanging out. They do some more outings in Loveland. Alicia is getting a little frustrated because this is all well and good for Poppy, but you guys need to be seen in the city too for it to be really taken seriously and hit the mainstream media. So it's finally time for Poppy to attend one of Dallas's games and Dallas gives her a bit of a warning that they may need to be a little bit more quote cozy unquote (laughs) when they're in the city. So maybe a little bit more touchy feely and maybe some kissing and stuff like that. It gets a little awkward and Poppy's like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's fine, but I'm kind of nervous about the whole thing. And Dallas is like, oh, well, maybe we should practice. So we have some practice kissing. It turns out really good. (laughs) I feel like Poppy is really innocent in the way that she's portrayed about the kissing and stuff. And this book is like has no no spice it's steam but not spice Mm. Mm -hmm. so there's no sexy scenes in this book and there's no even implications of sexy scenes in this book which is fine but i think the combination of that and then poppy being so nervous about the potential of having to kiss her fake boyfriend in public just made her seem like a little younger than she's supposed to be i think she's 28 in the book yeah i think so it was cute, regardless. Mm-hmm. It's the day Poppy is going to go to the game, but before the game, she goes to work because she runs a morning restaurant. Margot shows up at the restaurant again and tries to talk Poppy into getting Dallas to volunteer at the festival. Poppy has no intention of asking Dallas to do anything like that. The scene is basically just, oh yeah, remember Margot? She's awful. <laughs> honestly yeah and we get a bit of insight into poppy feeling insecure she's worried that dallas's reputation will suffer by being seen with her because she's just so normal (laughs) poppy takes her dad with her to the game which was cool he is the hockey fan in the family so it makes sense for him to go with her (laughs) they go up to the city together find their seats One of the hockey wives comes over. Her name is Monica. She's the wife of one of Dallas's friends on the team. And I guess Dallas had asked her to spend some time with Poppy and help her feel more at ease. And Monica is really, really nice. Poppy feels kind of insecure around Monica and later the other hockey wives because they're all rich and glamorous and polished and super lovely and she feels just so not that let's be clear here we don't really know what poppy looks like aside from that she has dark hair and is a completely average size dallas thinks she's beautiful which is typical in a romance isn't that all that matters really yeah it is there's a moment before the game where dallas is on the ice and 
he and Poppy have eye contact and she does a little bit of sign language and he kind of does some hand signaling that's not officially sign language, but it's cute. And then we have a description of how the game goes. It's really, really good. Dallas is on fire. Of course, everyone thinks it's Poppy's influence. He's trying to impress her. So the teammates are all excited. The wives are all excited. Poppy is thinking, oh, if only they knew this was a fake relationship and it's totally not me. (laughs) But I wish it was. (laughs) They go to the post-game dinner. Dallas goes off to see the guys and the wives are all hanging out doing their thing. And they're all, oh, we think you're so good for him. And this is so great. And you're the first woman Dallas has ever brought here. And it's very typical of a sports romance, I think. Yeah, I would think so. Poppy gets a little bit of a hint about Dallas's backstory, which she doesn't know a lot about yet, where one of the wives says something about how Dallas is a bit of a Cinderella story. And then Monica says, oh, let's not talk shop and changes the subject. Poppy goes to the restroom, but she gets accosted by Mulligan, who immediately starts putting her down, calling her Dallas's flavor of the month and oh, you know, you and I should be friends. I'm Aaron. When she reveals she knows who he is, he becomes a bit nastier. She tries to excuse herself and say, yeah, I should go because Dallas is probably wondering where I am. (laughs) And Mulligan's like, yeah, no, he probably doesn't even recognize that you're gone. (laughs) And then he comes on to her. Oh, you've got that sort of prudish girl next door thing going on. He's just, he's a male Margot, essentially. Yes. They might be happy together. Yeah. (laughs) Or at least unhappy together, but suit each other well in certain ways. (laughs) They would deserve each other. It would feel that way. Dallas happens to overhear what's going on between Poppy and Mulligan and threatens him, tells him to leave Poppy alone. It looks like he could maybe start another fight with mulligan but (laughs) poppy kind of calms him down and they end up leaving dinner early and he drives her home dallas is feeling guilty that poppy had to deal with that poppy is like no no it's fine you protected me it's okay dallas tells her that he learned that they're retiring ricky's number so apparently there's a whole ceremony about it it's kind of a honor sort of thing i don't know a lot about it because i'm not a stick ball sort of (laughs) a stick ball (laughs) a sports ball slash sports stick sort of person but it sounds like it's an honor dallas has been asked to record a message to be played during the ceremony and he feels conflicted about it poppy gives him some advice that sometimes it's okay to just say the truth no matter what people will think. She ends up telling him her sad backstory about her crappy ex. She's mostly concerned that this could potentially hurt Dallas's reputation because Dallas's reputation is so great. (laughs) Look how it shines. (laughs) She also tells Dallas that she thinks he shouldn't wait to start his foundation. She thinks like, why does he wait? to show people how good he is like it doesn't matter if they think it's sincere or not you're still doing a good thing 
Dallas then reveals to her that the foundation is going to be a youth foundation for kids who have at least one incarcerated parent. One of the reasons he is struggling with the idea of starting the foundation, aside from his reputation, is that that means that he would have to reveal to the world the truth about his father, which he's up to this point kept successfully hidden. Poppy, the next day, goes to work. Her restaurant now has a line that goes around the block. So she is officially the trendiest place to go. Dallas goes to practice and everyone is happier with him. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to listen to him. They don't talk about how he's washed up anymore. Uh, Mulligan leaves him alone. Jericho, who is Dallas's friend on the team and Monica's husband, tells Dallas that Monica is apparently planning for a bunch of the team and their wives to come to Loveland for the Valentine's Day dance. Apparently it's a thing, even (laughs) though Dallas didn't agree and they're all going to meet up at his house. So there you go. (laughs) Jericho and Dallas also talk about whether or not Dallas is going to record something for Ricky's retirement thing. Dallas tells Jericho about Poppy's advice Jericho is impressed and says that Dallas needs to wife that girl. Okay. I guess. I mean, sure. So Dallas is worried about Poppy. He doesn't want her to be hurt by his reputation. And he doesn't want her to be forced to go to these events for him when they're uncomfortable for her. And so he tells her that he'd rather keep things closer to Loveland. Poppy internalizes this as, yeah, so people don't like the fact that I'm fake dating you and the plan isn't (laughs) working and it's not happening and I don't want to be photographed with you and I'd rather stay in Loveland where it's more or less hidden even though the whole town knows about it. They have a few days of low contact. Dallas is on the road. Poppy is missing him. I would say they're friends at this point. And yeah, she's into him, but mostly they're friends. She learns that they lost their game and that makes her sad. But then she also goes and does some things that she needed to do, like tell Margot that she's not going to get Dallas to participate in the Festival of Hearts. She feels pretty proud of herself for that. I think she doesn't really stand up to Margot at all until this point, and so... She feels maybe a little bit vindicated that she did stand up to her and it's fine. Her family starts watching the game together. So every time Dallas plays, they get together and watch. And then one evening she's in her PJs ready for bed and someone knocks at her door and she runs away as you do. Um, (laughs) Who wants to answer the door anymore? Like, screw that. (laughs) She gets a text from Dallas who's like, I was outside. Do you want me to leave? She lets him in. They have a talk about Ricky's ceremony. Dallas tells her he recorded a video. He then tells her that he wants to go for the foundation. And he's worried about having to reveal to the public about his father. 
this is the point where he tells her the story about his past and how his dad was a shithead <laughs> and basically evil. And it's really sad. And we learn that not only was Dallas taken advantage of by his father, but he was also neglected by his father. You know, he wasn't really taken care of properly either. Poppy gives him a really big hug and comforts him. He cries. And it's a very, very sweet moment. Very tender and vulnerable. And I really appreciated that the author let her hero cry and it wasn't a big deal. Yes. Good job. They fall asleep on the couch, but wake up really early in the morning. Poppy says, you know, I think you should be honest about your dad because this is just a big secret from your past. I understand that. I have secrets from my past too. And I'm ashamed of mine. You're ashamed of yours. And when you're in that sort of situation, it's holding you prisoner. If you reveal it and you bring it out into the light, then... It loses its power. Hmm. Dallas says he's really glad that they're friends. And he's really glad that he has someone like her in his corner on his side. And he kisses her on her forehead and leaves. Poppy goes back to cooking. She cooks in the morning at her restaurant. And then she <laughs> goes and cooks in the evening at Dallas's house. And apparently loves it. And it's wonderful. And I mean... I guess you love what you love, but I don't know that I'd want to go do my job after I just finished doing my job. But maybe that's just me. <laughs> I don't know. There are limits, but I mean, I'm glad she loves it. If that's what she loves. That's great. When she gets to Dallas's house, she has this sense of deja vu. She is, again, accosted by Alicia and Sylvia. And Alicia says, you need to go to the game tonight. Poppy says, well, Dallas didn't invite me, so I'm not going to go. And Alicia tries to bully her into going. And Poppy says, you know, Dallas told me he wants to keep our relationship in Loveland. And I don't want to not do that. Like, I don't want to go behind his back or anything. And then she reveals to the women that she thinks the reason for that is that Dallas's reputation took a hit from dating her. And we find out she hasn't been following the media at all because it bothers her. So she doesn't want to know. Therefore, she just assumes and apparently assumes incorrectly. And both Alicia and Sylvia are like, oh, my gosh, woman, how can you not ever Google yourself? <laughs> so we learn that now Dallas is hockey's reformed bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia tells Poppy that it's an important game because they're going to have the ceremony for retiring Ricky's number. She's going to go. She thinks that Poppy should go to be there for Dallas. But if Poppy needs an excuse for going, it's because she needs to help Sylvia because Sylvia is still healing from hip replacement surgery. <laughs> right before the game, Dallas is confronted with Ricky. He hasn't had contact with him since... Ricky was in the hospital because when Ricky was in the hospital, he was very angry and blamed Dallas and it was very painful and charged. And so he's avoided Ricky ever since then. But now Ricky doesn't seem to hold Dallas as responsible for the situation at all. They have a really nice conversation where Ricky forgives Dallas it lifts this burden off of Dallas's shoulders. 
and you can tell they're going to renew their friendship. When they get out onto the arena, Dallas notices that Poppy is there. He's just so happy that she's there because he knows that she's in his corner. Whether or not Ricky forgives him, whether or not the recording he made for the ceremony is taken well by the fans, Poppy's on his side and that makes him feel good. So we have the ceremony. It's really nice. And then Ricky gives this whole speech to clear Dallas's name, I guess, which is really nice of him. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to do on the night you're being celebrated, but maybe it's fine. I don't know. <laughs> it made it kind of about Dallas and that bothered me a little bit, but I think Ricky was trying to help. I think it kind of goes against one of the themes of the story where it doesn't matter what other people think, just live your life and be authentic. Mm-hmm. And here Ricky is making it so that people will forgive Dallas by saying he forgives Dallas. And I think it was really important for Ricky to forgive Dallas, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Did you have an opinion on that? I agree with you that it's more important that Ricky forgives him and it happened privately more than publicly. I, I get that part of their lives is public spectacle. So it made sense that that was part of it. And for those that were invested in the Dallas Ricky thing, if they were still invested, maybe it would help to give them closure and let it go because they feel connected. So I can understand like the social contract aspect and wanting to allow for that participation from society fans, however you want to group them. Yeah. I mean, it's not as, as significant, but it makes sense. The personal forgiveness is the, the one that would feel more emotionally satisfying to me. Yeah, which we do get it. Yeah, which this is, I mean, I feel like this is, that's the job. <laughs> They're doing their job. Yeah, I agree with, with your interpretation. I guess I just feel like it would be nice if he didn't have to do that because we have later scenes where we learn that Dallas has now asked Ricky to be part of his foundation, be a partner in it, and they're working together. And that's in the public eye as well. They do press conferences together and that sort of thing. And I think that is pretty darn powerful in and of itself, showing the public that Dallas is forgiven. And I don't know that the speech during the ceremony was really necessary for the book. I feel like it kind of, well, like I said, went opposite one of the major themes of the book. I can appreciate that. If you're going to keep telling us throughout the book that it doesn't matter what people think, you should just be genuine and tell the truth and live your life and be authentic, then maybe that's what should happen. I don't know. I think that's true, but I also think with their jobs, they have public and private. And what works in, in private doesn't always work in public. I agree, but this is a romance story <laughs> and I'm allowed to be idealistic. Yeah. And I think that them forming a partnership for the foundation is public enough. Okay. I do feel like the author has some, some messages she's trying to tell us. I feel like one of the big messages is, again, that authenticity piece. Maybe Ricky was being authentic to himself by doing that or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, we never get in Rick's head, so I don't know. I mean, it may have been something like a gesture of, uh, yes, I forgive you privately, but this public thing is a gift I can give you. Maybe, yeah. You know, social currency, that kind of thing. Um, when the game is over, Dallas comes to find Poppy, and they share a big kiss. It's an amazing kiss. It's also a public kiss, so we're not sure if it counts or not, but come on, it counts. They go out to dinner with the team. On the way there, Dallas tells Poppy that Ricky forgave him, and then Poppy says, well, good, now you can forgive yourself. During dinner, Dallas has a conversation with Jericho, where Jericho points out that he can tell Dallas is really in love with Poppy you know, she's the one for him. He's never seen him like this before. It reminds him of when he started dating Monica. So we have the trope of the friend telling <laughs> the main character, yeah, you're in love. And then the main character going, oh, yeah, you're right. I am. <laughs> you're, you're totally right, dude. Thanks for putting that out. Dallas is now faced with a decision. Does he tell Poppy his feelings? Or does he hide it? He's worried that if he reveals his feelings, he is asking too much of her. He's asking her to be part of his hockey life, which potentially means leaving Loveland because he could get traded and have to go move or being long distance for the same reason. It also has her having to deal with being in the public eye potentially forever. And so he's decided for now, he's not going to. Poppy invites Dallas over to watch some TV with her. He agrees. Poppy can sense there's something different about Dallas. Like he seems more real and vulnerable and authentic with her. It seems like he has feelings for her. She's trying to remind herself that no, this is all a fake relationship. We're just friends. Don't be stupid, Poppy. The refrain from her mother, protect your heart, is coming up. Dallas tells her that he's going to take her advice and tell the truth about her, his dad. They're sitting next to each other on the couch, and they're really close. And it looks like they might have a kiss, and it'll be in private, which means that it might actually count. It's not a fake <laughs> relationship kiss. And all of a sudden, they're interrupted by a bright flash of light. It turns out the paparazzi or at least mm -hmm. one paparazzi has shown up and decided to be really rude and take a picture through the window that ruins the moment so dallas goes home and poppy is alone I, I guess they've both resolved no this can never be dallas and ricky have a press conference about the foundation it goes really well Unfortunately, or fortunately, he did that without consulting Alicia first. Alicia's a little upset about it. Dallas tells her, you know what? I want to do it my way. Screw you. I mean, he's nice about it, but still. <laughs> Alicia reminds him that they need to do their amical breakup soon. That's coming up on the list of things they have to do. Dallas doesn't like that. Later, he has a conversation with his grandma his grandma points out, yeah, you're falling in love with Poppy. Obviously, I can tell Dallas is like, no, we're just friends. <laughs> but you're actually right. 
And then he does admit it to her and he tells her he knew he was in love with her when she was at Ricky's ceremony that night. But he's worried because their worlds don't fit and he doesn't want bad things to happen to her due to his life and all this. And I love Sylvia for this because she's like, let her make her own damn choice. Stop trying to take her choices away, you ass. <laughs> love that. Thank you. So now it's time for the Festival of Hearts to start. It is the last week that Dallas and Poppy are quote unquote together. This is a four week long relationship. So that we've had three weeks over the course of the book at this point. Poppy's setting up her booth to sell heart shaped pizzas and Dallas shows up and he helps out and it's awesome. It turns out he paid to have her restaurant sponsor that part of the festival to get out of doing like teddy bear judging or something they talk about the press conference he apologizes for not inviting her but he says he didn't want to burden her with it poppy says well you know i would have liked to have been there for you margo shows up kind of spews some of her regular vile bullshit she says something like, yeah, how much longer do you think you can pretend to be an amazing person and keep Dallas's interest? And Poppy dials up her inner bitch and says, quote, Margo, I just want to say how sorry I am. Margo says, for what? And Poppy says, for whatever makes you so miserable. For as long as I've known you, you've been mean and ugly to just about everyone we know. <laughs> And I just feel so bad for you. You poor thing. <laughs> uh, mm. Yeah, I don't normally, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from being passive aggressive. But <laughs> in this case, I feel it was really called for. Yes. Dallas gives her a big old kiss. It's wonderful. That night, Poppy's laying in bed, replaying that kiss over and over in her mind. She wants to remember it because she knows the relationship is ending. She hears a uh, tapping on her window. Turns out Dallas is throwing pebbles at her window. He's like, I'm just trying to be romantic. She says, why does it matter? We're just pretending. And then he says, are we pretending? Because sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Hmm? He comes in and they have a whole conversation. He tells her, you know, I know it's not really fair of me to ask you this, but I want us to be together for real. They hug. She says something like, oh, well, we fit. I hug you when you're hurting and you protect me from the world. Dallas says, well, I'm going to be on the road for the next three days, but I'm going to come back in time for that dance on Friday. And hopefully you'll have had enough time to kind of think about this situation. And you can let me know then whether or not you want to try dating for real. And Poppy says, okay. So then Dallas goes off on the road for a few days. Poppy obsesses. Does she want to date him for real? Obviously she does. However, she knows she shouldn't because Rhea and her mother think she shouldn't. And also, what if he gets traded and it becomes long distance? That's just awful. That's the main deal breaker for her. So while she does care about her family's opinions and everything she doesn't want to do long distance and she doesn't ever want to leave loveland this is where her restaurant is this is where her family is 
is important for her to stay. And then there's a voice in her head that she's decided is her own voice that (laughs) wants her to try it anyway. Maybe he does get traded, but maybe it'll be fine. You won't know unless you try. But by the time Friday comes around, she's decided, no, I'm going to tell him no. However, she gets all dressed up and everything for the dance and looking all hot and stuff. And she's talking to her sisters about it. And her sisters both give her their blessing that, you know what, you should do what you think is right. And we will support you no matter what. And even Rhea says that. And Rhea (laughs) is like the anti-Cupid. So it's a big deal. When they get there, Dallas is nowhere to be seen. Poppy's kind of wondering if he's changed his mind. Then the hockey wives show up. There's an announcement from the stage that says, we're going to celebrate the joy of young love with a special presentation. This goes out to Poppy Hart. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, the same song that Poppy had told him about from her embarrassing school memory starts playing Dallas and his hockey friends are doing this choreographed, really awesome, kind of sexy dance that is all dedicated to Poppy. And then at the end, Dallas has a sign, a huge poster board that says, let me kiss you, Poppy, at the Festival of Hearts, which is written in the same sort of way as her sign was written to her crush so long ago. And it's very cute and funny and Poppy quite likes it. And she's now rethinking things again, saying, well, I had decided to say no, but now that he's done this whole gesture, maybe that was a bad idea. And I actually (laughs) want to try after all. And then he repeats her words back to her because when she was describing that memory to him, she asked him if he'd ever been that crazy about somebody that you were willing to make a complete fool of yourself. And he hadn't been. And so this time he says that to her and she's like, oh, <laughs> Dallas asks her if she's thought about what he said. And she replies with that. She's scared. And he says, well, I'm scared too, but this whole relationship hasn't been fake for me for a while. And Poppy admits that she doesn't think it was ever fake for her. which is a pretty big admission Mm -hmm. dallas then reveals that he renegotiated his contract and got a no trade clause so the big deal breaker problem is now off the table so it's totally fine for them to get together and there's no reason for them to be worried whatsoever so it's very sweet they kiss it's lovely they're going to be together for real now (laughs) Then we get an epilogue. They are in the Bahamas on vacation with their friends and Poppy's sisters. We get a bit of a follow-up on Poppy's ex because as they're relaxing on the beach, these two police officers start chasing this dude wearing a Hawaiian shirt and they manage to catch him. Poppy's like, huh, I wonder what's going on. And Dallas says, justice (laughs) and then she sees more clearly who the man is recognizes that it's her ex her ex recognizes her and is like what are you doing here and dallas says oh she's having you arrested (laughs) (laughs) turns out dallas put out some feelers has some contacts in the 
FBI and Interpol and whatnot managed to find Poppy's ex and get him arrested and he's going to be going to prison for a long ass time because he's stolen a lot of money and fucked over a lot of people. And then Dallas and Poppy kiss each other and share I love yous and we have the end. Yay! Honestly, I feel like the little revenge fantasy at the end was a bit much like <laughs> okay. It's kind of along the same lines as the thing with Ricky publicly forgiving Dallas. It just seems like we just have to have it all neat and tidy, don't we? Yeah. No loose strings. I guess not. I don't know. How is the audiobook? The audiobook was enjoyable. It was narrated by Georgina Marie and Alex Kidd. And I felt like they narrated their respective characters well. Are you happy for their happy? Yeah, I'm happy for them. Oh, <gasps> that was definitive. <laughs> Indeed it was. Oh, that's that's pretty impressive coming from you that you're so happy. <laughs> what about you? Were you happy for them? Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty cute together. They're, yeah, they're good for each other. That's what I felt. So let's rate them. Okay. How do you rate Poppy? I thought a lot of what she attempted to do was very honorable. I think part of the downside with her character is, like so many, is the over-responsibility, like you were saying. But I felt she was awesome. What about you? I agree. I think Poppy is pretty awesome. I really like her attitude and how strong she is. I think she's a pretty resilient character. Mm-hmm. And she does have a bit of that over-responsibility, but she also manages to temper it pretty well which is nice i think my favorite thing about her is that she wants to be unapologetically herself and she also wants dallas to be able to be himself and she accepts and loves him the way he is and i think it's just so sweet yes it's very sweet and nice how did you rate dallas i liked a lot of the vulnerability that dallas showed and was able to show in the story and again you know i i commend him for wanting to be true to himself and his identity and so i put him as awesome because yeah i mean he has he has a charitable heart and that that's nice that's good what about you i rated dallas awesome as well i thought he was a really great hero it was kind of refreshing to have a hero that was vulnerable and sweet and brave and willing to work on himself and yeah i just really liked his journey i think that the the story was definitely more about his journey Mm -hmm. and i i really enjoyed following along and and watching him grow and become self-actualized <laughs> <laughs> to allow himself to be unapologetically himself. Yes. In all aspects of his life. Even if that doesn't fit a public persona. Yeah. Nice. What about the antagonists slash villains? So for villains, I put Poppy's ex. Yes. And Dallas's father. Yes. And I felt like both of them, as you were saying, like, they were realistic, 
And so in that way, there was an effectiveness to it. But I agree with you that the ends felt very neat and tidy. I don't know if that was satisfying for me. Maybe that's just my cynicalness. (laughs) Maybe that's more a problem with the reader. Well, I didn't feel like we needed it. No. It it was clear that these antagonists influenced the characters, the main characters, and the decisions that they made, which is good. Yes. Because that's exactly what they did. But they weren't this sort of physical presence looming over the characters. No. So it felt, to wrap it up with them in the end, I agree with you that it, I don't know if the story necessarily needed it. It didn't necessarily lend additional satisfyingness to me. But I I understand having it in a way, but I don't feel like it was necessary. What about you? It was actually my least favorite part of Dallas's character, honestly. Oh. Mm-hmm. That he was like, no, I'm going to go behind Poppy's back and be vindictive. And on one hand, yeah, if you have the power to get this criminal stopped, then sure. But on the other hand, it seems like he did it purely... To have him arrested in front of Poppy and be like, look, I captured and <laughs> am now holding your horrible acts accountable for you. Sleep well tonight, fair maiden. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a bit much. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree with you. I I dislike the going behind her back part of it. Yeah. I guess it was supposed to be like a sweet surprise or something. Yeah. <laughs> sweet surprise. Flowers, chocolate, and... Your ex going to the vet. Um, I mean, it kind of had that feeling, though, right? <laughs> yeah, which is why I was like, okay. I was expecting him to propose at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of like, okay, if he had been a physical threat throughout, and if they had done the whole, maybe not necessarily starting anything with him, but like, she forgives him, you know, some something. She yeah. forgives him and he takes advantage or is about to, but then hero thwarting. Arg. Right. Or something. Something. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Is it time for me to talk about my villain list? Yes. Give me your villains. So for me, I agree that Dallas's father was a pretty effective villain, even though he's off the page. I think he greatly impacted Dallas's character. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an effective backstory for Dallas. I think Poppy's ex was also pretty effective, although he was the closest to cartoonishly evil that the book got, I think. And he wasn't, it wasn't unbelievable. Like, I think that the author didn't go super overboard on it, but I wish we had had a bit more about Poppy's heartbrokenness or something. I feel like we didn't get enough i feel like we got hints to it Mm -hmm. and i think maybe a little bit more would have made him more effective as a backstory villain for poppy and then of course i totally agree with your assessment of the epilogue portion (laughs) there's also Margot, of course i mean she is an effective villain i guess in a way but she's also kind of like a fun villain i really (laughs) liked her character (laughs) because she's just so awful so awful Mm -hmm. every time she showed up you're like oh good some drama is gonna happen and i think that in a book like this where it is so cozy and sweet and low angst it's nice to have a little bit of drama 
Mm-hmm. And I think Margot definitely serves that purpose. I also put Mulligan, who I feel, mm. well, like I said, he's the male Margot of the story. And I feel he was less effective than Margot because we didn't get as much from him. He's not showing up all the time taunting Dallas or whatever. Mostly we get told about them having these fist fights. Then he kind of is creepy toward Poppy later. And I didn't like that it leaned into Dallas being violent because he really doesn't come off that way at all. And it makes it feel like he's not so far removed from that angry young man that he was when he first joined the team. Yeah. And I feel like that made it maybe a little less effective for Dallas's journey. If he was able to confront Mulligan without almost coming to blows and not having to have Poppy talk him down, maybe that Mm -hmm. would have been more effective as part of the story. I agree. Yeah. Neither Margo or Mulligan, I I wasn't really worried about either of them. It was pretty low stakes, but we need a little, a little drama, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And then I also put Alicia and Sylvia, the grandma, because they're, I mean, they're not bad guys, obviously, but they are kind of antagonistic because they're the ones who bring up the whole fake dating thing in the first place. And they spend a lot of time in this book, like a lot of pages, trying to convince both of them to agree to embark on this fake relationship. (laughs) It's just like, dude, let them live their (laughs) lives. My God, we do not need this. But apparently they did need it, you know. Um, (laughs) I I thought they were pretty effective and they were both really fun characters. I thought the author did a good job of making most of the characters pretty realistic and reasonably three dimensional. It didn't feel like even though there were a lot of people in this book, it didn't feel super name droppy. I felt like mm-hmm. there was a point for pretty much most of the characters to be there. And that was nice. Yes. Yeah, that is nice. Yeah, I don't like the just list of names. Right. <laughs> and you're just like, great, but why? <laughs> <laughs> so how did you rate the book? Well, I I enjoyed it. It was sweet. I gave it a 3.5. What about you? So I kind of waffled on the rating a little bit because I at first rated it a two. And then I'm like, is that's not really fair. Because I think I was so put off by the way the fake relationship trope was late to the party. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, it just really interfered with my enjoyment, I think, because... I was just so tired of hearing about them going back and forth like, oh, no, but it would really help them. But no, it's a bad idea. But I really want to help them. No, it's horrible. But they're hot. (laughs) Yo-yo. It's just like (laughs) so much, like pages and pages and pages of it. And I really feel like the author could have done the same sort of storytelling with more effectiveness by having a time jump where they're, you know, we have a time jump where they're like, no, no. And then... A week passes and they're still no-no, but better friends or something. (laughs) But then we're not inundated with it for so long. So I tried to be gracious and I was like, no, okay, well, maybe it's a three then. Because if I think of it as like a friends to lovers, I think it's a pretty solid three. It's pretty cute. Mm -hmm. 
So I decided to call it a 2.5. Okay. Well, did you feel romanced? Eh. Uh-oh. There were some parts where I was like, oh, that's really sweet and kind of romantic. Like how he does the presentation, the special dance thing at the Valentine's dance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, that was really cute, and I liked that it called back to the story, and I think I really liked them growing into friends. I didn't feel a lot of chemistry, and I mm-hmm. think it could be because the story is so clean, which, again, is totally fine. But I think that we got a lot of places that instead of building any sort of sexual tension or chemistry, instead we got them building the friendship. I liked that, but we also need some of that chemistry and sexual tension to make it feel romantic to me, I think. Otherwise, they're just friends. Yeah. What about you? Did you feel romanced? I was very charmed, but I was not romanced. Like you said, it it's a very sweet story. I do feel like certain aspects of the story did not lend itself to what I consider to be chemistry in a story. Certainly not romantic chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely feel that they were falling into friendship. Yes, absolutely. But I'm not sure that I felt that they were falling into romance. Right. I agree with you there. It all depends on, on what someone is looking for in their romantic stories. So... Not all romances are necessarily amorous in the same way that others will be. But I don't know how how you would create it other than with some sort of sexual tension, which does not mean that it can't be created another way. It's just I can't think of it. I did not feel that there was like a special connection between these two people more so than another connection that they could develop with somebody else that was close. A close connection. Yeah, I agree. I think you can have sexual tension without having actual sex in your book. I think that having some more build up or tension around some of the kissing scenes would potentially have helped. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have to be graphic or anything like that. I just think like maybe more narrative showing how they're falling for each other. Or more narrative about how the kissing is changing their perspective of each other or something like that? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure because human relationships come in all sorts of varieties and some are even platonic but romantic. And I don't know if that's their journey or supposed to be their journey. And that's absolutely fine. If they're getting what they want out of the relationship, that's fine. But it's just the problem is, is conveying that emotional specialness. Wow, that is not a good way to phrase that. Between, no, you're right. The emotional the connection. <laughs> yes. But it's not just connection because it's at least for, for a romance story. It should. It's a special emotional connection. Yes, it is a my lobster. You know, you're the only lobster for me. You're my <laughs> puzzle piece. Exactly. Um, So that's what I mean. But yeah. Well, what else have you been reading? I'm I'm reading. I haven't. (laughs) I feel like I say this every time. I haven't finished it yet. Nevertheless, I am really enjoying the greatest love story ever told an oral history written and narrated by Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally. So it's 
the the couple waxing comedic about their relationship, their humor, and body lubrication. It's fun. They talk candidly about their experiences in life. Uh, just a word of caution. They do talk, or at least not to the part that I've gotten any sort of graphic mentions of, of child abuse, but they do talk candidly about it because it is something that has happened, which is incredible that they mention and discuss. I don't want to say that like the whole book is about that because it's, it's really not. So yeah, they met when she was still doing Will and Grace. He's very smitten and she's Aww. reluctantly becoming more smitten. Aww. Oh yeah, there's this great story where like she gave out her number, but okay, so this is yesteryear when faxes were more of a thing. Oh uh, yes. And so she gave out her fax number <laughs> instead of like her personal <laughs> number because she didn't want the people in the production that they were doing the stage production to to call so she wants you know her boundaries right yeah i guess he was just so excited to have her number that he called and left a message and the fax sound that was going on before he's you know before the beep and he could leave him like that didn't put him off like he wasn't even thinking like this isn't her number it's like a fax number <laughs> he was just so happy to to be allowed to be in her orbit they were friends Aww. at that point so it wasn't like <laughs> creepy i'm making him sound so creepy <laughs> it wasn't no you're making him sound sweet he was she gets into to her history so you can kind of understand why she was like i don't know if i can trust this guy i i am jaded it's lovely. I can't wait to listen to more. I was really hoping to have it finished by today. All right. So what about you? What have you been reading? I recently finished Hookah Smoking Caterpillar by Beatrix Hollow. <laughs> this is a monster romance. It has a lengthy list of content warnings. So I do suggest that you check those out before you read. Take care of your mental health, everyone. It is a Alice in Wonderland retelling, which I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Alice in Wonderland retellings. I'm constantly looking for a good one. <laughs> this one was quite enjoyable. Yay! Alice is obsessed with the caterpillar, sexually obsessed with the caterpillar. Oh, right. He is a man, like, from the waist up and, like, from the waist down, he's a caterpillar. Okay, so like a centaur kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. She goes to the Cheshire Cat's Den of Debauchery, which is, I guess, like a brothel sort of thing in Wonderland. She bargains with Cheshire to have a night with Caterpillar. Anyway, it turns out that Cheshire is obsessed with Alice as well, so... He wants her. Caterpillar wants her. Alice is scared of Cheshire. She's trying to escape from him. She's now lost in Wonderland. It's like this whole thing. And it turns out that maybe she's been lost in Wonderland for a while and didn't realize it. Hmm. The summary on Goodreads is not super revealing. It's mostly just about her being obsessed with Caterpillar. Then a bunch of content notes. 
I was surprised by the story because let me tell you, I read it because of the content notes. Okay. Some people look at content warnings and like, oh, that's not for me. I look at content warnings and I'm like, huh, I wonder what that's like. <laughs> Fair enough. You are maybe others, curious. <laughs> maybe others can relate. <laughs> I really enjoyed the story. I was pleasantly surprised because I have learned not to expect too much from Alice in Wonderland retellings and Beatrix Hollow did a good job. She made it feel authentically alice without making it weird. <laughs> she made it weird in her own way. Okay. That's a good recommendation, right? <laughs> I think the author took inspiration from the source material and played with it in a new way that I quite enjoyed. Yay. Yes. How about that? Was that better? <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting kind of punchy. <laughs> You're getting punchy and I'm getting almost lethargic. We're <laughs> <laughs> a weird combination. Yeah. So on that note, <laughs> check out our website, romancebpodcast.com. We have... Show notes, other episodes, lists with our upcoming reads. You can subscribe on Apple, Google, although I guess Google Podcasts is going away soon or something. That's what I heard, but it hasn't gone away yet. So, yeah, so, so sub- subscribe on Google for a limited time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. Um, or, you know, using your favorite podcast app. I'm not picky. Just subscribe and listen and go rate us. Uh, leave us a review on Apple. Um, that would be nice. Over to you, um. <laughs> If you were romanced by Poppy and Dallas's story, let us know. Or let us know what kind of Valentine's Day treat is your favorite. Your call. We won't judge. If you wish, (laughs) join us next time when we discuss Crushing on You by Jen Trin. Hey, did you know there were four towns that are named Valentine? I did not know. Arizona, Nevada, Texas, and Virginia. At least at the time that that article was written and now, as far as I know. They don't do a particularly large Valentine's Day celebration. They do have, like, postal things that they do, little special postal things, but they don't do, like, Cupid's Corner or anything like that. Not that I'm aware. Perhaps it it can be something lucrative for those towns, but then perhaps they don't want the Valentine's Fest. I don't know. Yay, capitalism. Yay?